Yes, there is healing today, and it's going to be fun. Jesus is a victorious king already. Yeah. Ah, it's so good. Jesus is alive. He's king, and, and, and we're, we're experiencing him now. I, uh, I want to give a blessing to our, our river friends. This is y'all's last weekend here, right? You know. uh, would y'all mind standing up? We have, uh, we've had some guests um, for the past month or so, uh, these young men and this woman. You guys have blessed us so much by being here. They're here earning some money for the summer so that they can spend their next uh, year pursuing the Lord through their ministry school, and we honor you all so much for being part of this house. You've really blessed us by being here. We thank you for that. As you all leave, I just want to give a blessing because uh, we also want to bless y'all's house uh, because you have blessed ours so much. So thank you guys so much for being here. Uh, The Lord is saying that there's a new thing that he's doing. Can you not perceive it? There's a wind of change in the air, and where you go, you bring it everywhere you go. And so go back where you are with that blessing upon you. And also where you go, be reminded, too, that the Lord is at work everywhere you go. And so you are hungry for the Lord, and your hunger was a blessing to this place. You guys are welcome here as friends. You have family everywhere. And I hope that you guys see this. Everywhere you're called to go, because you're going to go to the farthest places of this planet, you're going to find family there, because Jesus is with you, okay? And so I bless you and I release you to walk in the full power of Jesus Christ, knowing his resurrection, knowing that he is the king of your life, knowing that any obstacle that comes your way, you will defeat because you are overcomers already in the Lord Jesus Christ. Friends, thank you so much for your presence here. You're honored. Always welcome here. Amen. I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful. We are talking about healings today, and uh, we didn't sync up on that beforehand, but uh, that's part of it. Um, some of you all who know me uh, have gotten to know that over the years, there is that increase of healings that has been happening um, as I just have continued to pursue it. But for years, it wasn't there. Um, as a matter of fact, uh, for years, uh, Elizabeth will tell you that I had uh, chronic fatigue syndrome, chronic sinusitis, chronic insomnia, chronic bronchitis, chronic asthma. Um, and it was, it was to the point where they called it chronically inflamed autoimmune system caused by a biotoxin illness and blah, 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 blah. And it was, uh, it was, it was not fun. The doctor one day looked at all my, my vitals and all the stuff and said, I don't, I don't know how you're able to get out of bed. You're zero on all these, uh, on all these uh, parts of your system, your adrenals and all that stuff, but they were just shot. And so one day I was uh, driving down to South Carolina. There was a monastery there. Um, that I like to go and just hang out with Jesus, just be real still. That's kind of how I, I like to do that. And, um, and on the way down there, the Lord uh, spoke to me and said, uh, I'm jealous for your healing. And uh, I'd gotten to the place in my walk where I was, um, I was genuinely content. You know, no one could tell you know, that I was joyful inside because my body was so shut down that I just kind of looked tired all the time. But, uh, but internally, I had this you know, effervescent joy that was there. And uh, so he, he spoke that. He said, you know, I'm, I'm jealous for your healing. And uh, I said, you know, what, is that, what does that mean? And, uh, and he said, I want you to stop taking the, uh, the, the supplements you've been using to help you sleep. I think it was like melatonin and some other stuff that was there for me at the time that I didn't like having to take. But, uh, but nonetheless, after a while, being desperate, uh, things like Ambien and that stuff didn't work, and try being able, not, unable to sleep, and then taking those things and still not being able to sleep. It's like the twilight zone. It's it's a horrible thing. So, uh, so on the way down, he said, "Stop taking that medication." And uh, and so that night, I'm I'm in the room, and uh, and I did, and you know, instead of using you know those uh, supplements, I didn't. And of course, the thing that came up out of me was uh, was first of all anxiety. You know. Because uh, I, uh, I didn't believe, I didn't know what was going to happen. 
And so I've learned over the years a couple things that I want to teach y'all in that place. Um, I didn't know what the anxiety was about, and so I asked Jesus, sounds like a good idea, uh, to bring (laughs) revelation. He is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. He is truth, so he is the light of the world, and when he reveals anything, when he shows up, you become aware. You can, you can become aware of your own thoughts, become aware of what you're feeling. You have illumination, you can see, you have awareness. And so in asking him, what am I afraid of right now? He showed me that uh, deep down within, I didn't really think that he cared for me. You know, and we know it here, but there was a place in my heart that hadn't been formed yet in that place. And so, you know, the, the confession was, Jesus, I don't think that you care for me. <laughs> I acknowledge this before you and I give it to you. And uh, peace came and then sleep came. The next night, same thing happened. You know, the anxiety came up again. Confessed what it was. Anxiety came, then peace came, then sleep came. As I turned it over to Jesus. And then I was healed. And I slept and really haven't had problems since. The only time I have problems with that now going forward is when there's just a spiritual warfare going on and the enemy is trying to take back land, but he can't any longer. So there was a subsequent healings where after that, um, you know, he, uh, after some time, he said, I want you to stop taking the medication you're having for this, you know, autoimmune thing. And I did. The same pattern, you know, do you really care? Um, and then after that, after maybe like eight months uh, of just progressing along this pathway and getting more and more healed, um, I uh, was uh, told by the Lord, now you can go eat. Because for so long I'd been uh, having this ultra-restricted diet where there's no gluten, no cheese, no dairy, no sugar. And it was like rabbit food all the time and, and meat, which was awesome. So it was like meat and then rabbit food. <laughs> and that was it. But it wasn't much fun. And so uh, he's like, I want you to eat. And then, uh, I was like, well, what can I eat? And I, I just saw this picture of uh, Maggiano's plate of spaghetti. <laughs> and meat sauce. And, and they had the bread there, right, with the olive oil. And it was like, the whole thing is yours. And so I, uh, I went on lunch at uh, my old job and, and just by myself sat there and just praised God as I ate. <laughs> Noodles and, you know, whereas before when I'd eat that kind of stuff, you know, I'd get kind of foggy and, and uh, I just wouldn't feel good. Um, was was great. And, and then after that, after that bowl of noodles, um, <clears throat> I began to pray for people, and, uh, and they'd begin to get healed. You know, there was a baby who was born with, uh, with seizures, and, uh, and so they had to put this child on ice in Valentine. And we went there, uh, went there to go visit the family, uh, you know, and, and the doctor went to go see this family. And as the doctor was seeing, meeting with them, I just started worshiping because, you know, there was so much to worship, but I was also worshiping because I was anticipating now healing because I was starting to see it lived out in my own life. And the doctor said that when we take the ice away, the brain activity is going to continue on and, and they're going to they're gonna die. There's nothing we can do about this. And so the dad just looked at me and he's like, we're going to pray. And I was like, amen. <laughs> we laid hands after we scrubbed up. Uh, on this child and prayed and, and it was a weird the, the child had this ashen kind of gray head and, and it just didn't look natural and as we prayed color was restored and within the next 15-20 minutes you know the, the, the warmth of the body temperature came back up again and no seizures and this child was healed and nurses have no explanation about it but we know <laughs> 
And then there began to be uh, people that would be uh, arthritic in wheelchairs, and I'd pray, and you'd hear this pop, 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 and they would get up, and they'd say, oh my gosh, and they would be able to walk around, and, and it was a lot of fun for that season. And, and what he was showing me, because I, I would used to drive by hospitals and cry because I, I, you know, I, I just felt this burden. I did not understand it, but he was showing me that I had a hunger and a natural gift, a gifting in the Lord for healings. And I pursued that, and it didn't come to me immediately. You know, sometimes the Lord will give a person a huge gift right there, right at the very beginning. But for all of us, we can pursue these gifts over the course of time. And I was noticing that as I was pursuing these gifts, it was confronting areas in my life where I, you know, had pain or beliefs that, that weren't quite lined up with the Lord. And as I pursued those and determined to take those down in Him, things would open up and I would begin to have these powers that were released from me. And so I want to just kind of walk you through that process a little bit because, uh, you know, as you guys are noticing sometimes in our walk, we have a resurrection kingdom within us and then at times it feels like there's obstacles and it feels at times like suffering. And so I wanted to get into why that is and a bit about how to move through that. So if you wouldn't mind, in Philippians 3, turn to that, and we're going to go through a couple different places in the scriptures this morning and talk about that. So this has been, the past uh, couple months, we've, we've been in this area in Philippians 3 and 4. I want to point up uh, verse 7. So this is Philippians 3, verse 7. This is Paul talking to us. You know, Paul's one who was obviously acquainted with miracles, an entire city of Ephesus, uh, had a huge revival uh, under his uh, ministry. He came into town, and the whole city gave up all their idols and began to see miracles God pouring out consistently over the course of time. And he was one who was, you know, beaten. He was flogged. He was shipwrecked. He had all these things that were going on also in his life. And so he was one that was very well acquainted with both the, the kingdom now and also the suffering that was, uh, that was part of the walk for him. In verse 7, it says, But everything that was, and he's talking about a righteousness, so, but everything that was to gain, that was a gain to me, I have considered to be a loss because of Christ. So all my own works, all my own self righteousness that I thought was a gain to me, I have considered them to be a loss because of Christ. More than that, I also consider everything to be a loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. And that word knowing isn't an intellectual knowledge purely. That, does, that, that is part of it, but it's most accurately you know, the kind of intimacy that a husband would have with his wife, um, or vice versa. It, it's, a, it's an experiential reality, an experiential knowing of who Jesus is. So because of him... I have suffered the loss of all things and consider them filth so that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own from the law, <clears throat> but one that is through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God based on faith. So my goal is to know him, again that word know, intimacy, him, is to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death. All right, resurrection power, Suffering's death. You know, how does suffering and death come after resurrection power? Assuming that I somehow reach the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already reached the goal or I'm already fully mature. And he's writing a book of the Bible. <laughs> you know, that's encouraging to me, by the way, because I don't think I'm there and I'm preaching to you guys. And so, <laughs> woo! <clears throat> Thank you, Paul. Not that I've already reached the goal or I'm already fully mature, but I make every effort to take hold of it because I have been taken hold of by Christ Jesus. So no matter where you are here today, you are already taken hold of by Christ Jesus. And so you are perfectly righteous 
You are, you are flawless. You're no longer a sinner. You're, you've been grabbed by Christ. All right? And now you're grabbing Christ. And so this is part of our, our salvation is to know that and to feel confident in that and to go after and grab a hold of and bring into reality all that he has won for you. Brothers, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead. And that, that, that's the call of Christ Jesus in our life. And so you, you, have, you have Paul saying that, you know, I want to know the power of his resurrection and his suffering at the same time. That doesn't seem like a good idea to me, you know, at least at first. The word suffering there does mean experiences, and it is most often used in a negative sense uh, throughout the literature um, in that, that time. Um, however, it does mean all experiences also. So it, it's, it's suffering as in, you know, the, the joy of the Lord, but also in the negative things that he experienced, and sometimes his pains. And so they're both there, and through that death, Paul is experiencing resurrection, the things in your own life that have been areas of death and pain are the areas where there is resurrection power. Today, I mean, today in this service, there is resurrection power being released. And that feels like a new thing. When you have grown up in the world for long enough, the effects of a world in decay, when it comes in contact with God, whose life will feel like new. It'll feel like newness. That's the experience of coming in contact with a God who is life that's different than death around you is that it's going to feel new. And so today when you're experiencing you know, the new thing, when you're experiencing that newness of life, that freshness, it's, you're, you're in contact with Jesus, with God himself. And it's a new reality that we do grab a hold of and we lay aside the things that were in the past. We, do lie, we, we lay aside all that was death within us. We lay aside all that was uh, our suffering. And I'm going to walk us how to do that because it is important in our walk not to grow weary in doing good, for instance. <clears throat> That's a big deal, right? <laughs> how many of us here have been weary this week? <laughs> right? <clears throat> all right, so does it sound kind of like a jerky thing for God to say, don't grow weary in doing good? <clears throat> right? <clears throat> You know, uh, my commandments aren't burdensome to you, right? And you're like, all right, well, I'm trying to do good, but I'm facing so much pain throughout my day, you know, at times. You know, like, it feels burdensome at times. And so was it, was it impolite of God to say, you know, they're not burdensome to you, you know? Uh, don't grow weary in this. Or is there somehow through the ministry of Jesus a power that we can have released in us that propels us forward, that doesn't get stuck on a cross, that doesn't get stuck in death and pain, but because of a finished work, it's there. So I want to I press us into this a little bit more, because we're in a day and a time where it's almost in vogue to hold on to pain. Yeah? I mean, what, what do we hear so often in our culture, you know, that, that's out there? Um, I mean, there's, food, there's films that are coming out about just vengeance, you know, about, about holding on to things. You know, Tarantino is famous for it, creating films from unresolved pain. And so we're going to create a movie to show you how to get this thing off your chest, cathartically wise, through vengeance. So we're going to talk about where the vengeance of God was placed. Um, let's go to Romans 6. <clears throat> Romans 6, verse 1. 
All right, so in Romans chapter 6, again, you know, Romans 6, if you guys can memorize this book, it, it, would, it would change your life. Um, and, and maybe we should, as a community, consider memorizing these things. You know, there's, there's life in this book that if we can, if we can understand what Paul is, is getting at here, and Peter says that the things that Paul is saying are hard to understand, but that doesn't mean they're impossible to understand. But sometimes they are kind of hard to understand. Let's, let's unpack this. If we can have this in our hearts, then we will be different. All right, so uh, chapter 6, verse 3. <clears throat> Actually, let me start with verse 2. So, um, so he's talking about what grace is like and then how we are so filled with grace that it seems like sin itself, therefore, you know, is, is, is available to us. And he's like, no, 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 it's not that. So he says, absolutely not. How can we who have died instead to sin still live in it? Or are you aware that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Keep these as important markers as we go forward. So you were baptized into his death. Therefore, we were buried with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too may walk in a new way of life. For if we have been joined with him in the likeness of his death, we will certainly also in the likeness be resurrected in his resurrection. I should say it like that. So we will certainly be, uh, also be in the likeness of his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that sin's dominion over the body may be abolished. So we're no longer enslaved to sin or its claims in us. And so there's, a, there's an if clause in there. You know, if we have been crucified with Christ, if we have been baptized... You know, then sin and its effects also in us are rendered powerless. Okay? And, and there's many effects of sin that were put on the cross. Uh, not simply sin itself. I mean, sometimes we can get too theological and, and just say that we're positionally, you know, saved, and we are. You know, so sin was taken care of. We really are righteous before God. We are justified. But there's some other things that were also placed on Jesus on the cross, and I want us to keep on going back a little bit more because as I as I sat there that night, you know, at the, the monastery, um, I, I'm I'm an engineer by background, and I also um, I, I can't help this. I, I want to know how things work, and you know, I, I've had experiences with God that have just instantly taken things away and healed me, and that's been good enough. I'm happy with that, <laughs> you know. But there's some times when there's an enemy or something that'll pop up that challenges that. And, and it's good for all of us to know beyond the experience what is the truth of what Jesus has done historically on the cross for us in real life. You know, I love how brilliant Jesus is. You know, as he's facing enemies and the Pharisees and the Sadducees and others, his logical arguments are, are a thing of beauty to behold and just the, the pure intellectualism that's there, the pure wisdom that he has to define certain things. You know, when, when the wisdom of God came upon Solomon, you know, which two are you going to kill? He said, uh, which, two, uh, which, which uh, two mothers will have the baby? Which of the two? He said, well, kill the baby. And the real mother said, no, 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 give it away. And then Solomon knew, all right, well, that's the baby. That's the mother's baby. That, you know what I'm talking about, the baby's mother. We've got an internal joke now within our leadership of how I'll missay certain things, and it's been a lot of fun to, to see how that happened. I won't, I won't tell you too much on that. So anyway. 
And so Jesus at times would be able to confound the wise. You know, uh, what do you do with money? Should we pay taxes to Caesar? He said, well, who's, whose face is on that? Well, you know, it's Caesar's. We'll give it to Caesar. And whose face is on you? God's face is on you. So give to God what is God's. <laughs> you know, so give your whole life over to God. Anyway, so when Jesus would say things that are, that are brilliant like that, it's awesome. Then Jesus would reveal the power of God through miracles and the resurrection. And, and that's enough to go for it. But for me, uh, those things are great, and I, I still latch my faith onto that, but I also want to know, like, internally, like, how things actually work. Why is it that when I pray to Jesus for removal of these things, the enemy leaves, and I can experience freedom? And so, again, we're, we're dead on the cross to Christ, so turn with me back to Isaiah 53. And this chapter is beautiful for what it reveals about Jesus. This is um, Isaiah chapter 53. Isaiah, if you guys you know, know your Bible history, he was a prophet to the people of Israel. And so he would be given understanding uh, about the future, but also understanding about the times. He was able to perceive the presence and know who God was and point people back to what God was really up to and what we could be about as well. And in, in chapter 53, he has this vision that goes actually beyond the time of Jesus because he begins to speak back in time, looking at who Jesus was in the past tense. And so it's an unusual chapter to, to look at it from this perspective. And in verse 3 of chapter 53 says, He was, Jesus, was despised and rejected by men, a man of suffering who knew what sickness was. He was like someone people turned away from. He was despised and we did not value him. And that's a picture of kind of what had finally happened on the cross when all of the sin was placed upon him and he was beaten, he was malformed, he was hanging on a cross, despised, he had no clothes on, he was utterly ashamed in the, the world's eyes. Yet, he bore our sicknesses or our pains or our afflictions and he carried our pains or diseases. But we in turn regarded him as stricken, struck down by God and afflicted. But he was pierced because of our transgressions. He was crushed because of our iniquities. And then chastisement or punishment or discipline, there's different ways of translating that, uh, for our peace was on him, and we are healed by his wounds. And so we know that sin was placed upon Jesus, and so therefore when we believe upon him, sin dies in us, and we get his righteousness. Amen. Sorrows were placed on Jesus. And so our sorrows also have opportunity to die and have died in Jesus. I'm going to walk you through in just a moment how to get through that. Also, as we were experiencing today, the physical part, his, you know, his body was, was, was filled with sickness. You know, all of it was placed upon him. So sicknesses, diseases were all placed on Jesus. And so when we believe in him, we also believe that all, and have the opportunity now to have all these diseases, all these afflictions, all these pains, all these brokenness placed upon him and then receive therefore his healing, his wholeness. In the Old Testament covenants, if you would sin, then God would make clear that you were deserving of, you know, diseases and these kind of things because people were breaking the agreement that they had made with God, which they had said, yes, let these things come upon us if we should break the covenant. Disease, sickness, pain, that kind of stuff. And so when Jesus was healing people, he was saying, in a sense, that the sin that was due you, I'm going to put on myself. And so as he was walking through the towns healing, not only was he blessing them, but he was storing wrath up, or if I could say, he was storing up the, the, the consequences of the people's sins upon himself. So every time he would heal, he would know that this is going to cost him his life in that moment. 
he knew looking at those people that were being saved that he was going to be the one that paid the price for it. I mean, can you imagine the love that he had in knowing that this was about to come upon him as he healed those that were out there? Knowing that Isaiah 53 was written about him, all these sicknesses, all this pain, all the sorrow was on him. And so let's sit with that just for a moment and keep on after this because this is a lot of fun. So, <clears throat> so when we, um, let's, take, let's start with sin. So when we sin, there is the, the natural sorrow of knowing that, um, that we placed ourselves outside of righteousness, that, that we experience something that when we are aware of the Holy Spirit and aware of God is different than God and it hurt his heart, it hurt the heart of Jesus, it hurt the heart of the Holy Spirit, it grieved the Holy Spirit. And that, you know, if you have empathy and compassion, you, you feel that, and you're like, ah, that, that, that feels like pain, especially when we come to the Lord and we see that. He takes that upon himself. And so that's why you'll experience the joy of salvation because it's no longer yours. He took that. And so when you have faith, faith attaches you to death on the cross. And in that death, pain and sorrow of that sin was also crucified and nailed to the cross. And if I'm meeting with people that are having a hard time forgiving themselves... I'll have them do this visualization exercise where they'll see Jesus on the cross and I'll, and I'll have them nail him to the cross. And when you see the face of innocence dying for you, it has the effect of you not wanting to take that pain, of you wanting to instead say, because he does it for joy, if you want it to be complete and done with, you don't want to deal with this anymore. It's yours. I don't have time for these regrets any longer, right? I want to give it to you. When you see the face of Jesus wanting to take that from you. That's powerful. There's also the sorrows of the world. And so, you know, he was, the, the oppression, the depression of, of, of all mankind was placed upon him. And so there are seasons where, you know, the burdens of life will, will, will uh, you know, come about you. So, you know, Paul would see the, the hard-heartedness of his countrymen and, and be willing to die. It caused him such pain. Or there'd be anxiety in Paul's heart um, he, was, he was anxious for seeing his friends restored. Um, and, and there was a sense of pain. In 2 Corinthians 1, he was so overwhelmed and overburdened psychologically and emotionally, Paul was, that he despaired of life. He felt the sense of death upon himself. And so there's times when we care for a loved one, and it's pure love, like it's innocence. We are loving for those, we, we are caring for those to the point where we were willing to, to sacrifice for them. And we feel that pain. That's there. And that pain can be a burden. It can feel that way. And it can feel wearisome over time if we don't do this one thing, which is take that pain, take those sorrows, take whatever things you, out, you see out there in the world and lay them at the cross. Yes. If necessary, in your mind even, nail them to Jesus. Uh, because he bore those already for us. You know, he, he suffered in the same way. So when he came into this world, he was pure love. And he would come to his own and his own knew him not. He came to you and said, I, I know the hair color that you have, but you don't even know who I am. And so imagine you pure love. Imagine if you, if you have a daughter or son and, or a dear friend and you pour it into them and then they wake up one day and they're like, I don't know who you are. Who are you? It's just the pain that that would feel. Jesus knows your pain also. He knows your suffering. He knows your sorrow. When you, know, you get frustrated by not having a job turn out well. You know, he was on a cross and nothing that he did was succeeding every pain that we go through in life, there is an answer to him experiencing that emotionally with you. And so it's worth slowing down with Jesus, pausing, and as you feel the, the, whatever pain it is, whatever sorrow, whatever 
burden that you're carrying, whatever heaviness that's out there, allow him to come alongside of you and say, that's how I felt too at times. And then as you feel that, as you feel him, as you experience him, as you know it in your heart that he also bears this with you, let him take the burden of it. You know, we, we're, we're not meant to carry the burdens of the world Amen. on our shoulders. It's on him to do these things. And so it's on us to lay that at his feet. There's also the injustices that happen to us. So there's our sin, and then there's the, you know, the, the normal burdens of life that'll come upon us. And then there's also the sins of others against us. And so what do we do with that as well? And so there's this cry out in our own hearts for vindication. You know, if, if you have righteousness in you, if Jesus is in you, then, then something's not right. You know, you, you feel like something should be done about this. Um, it's, it's, it's a normal, natural human response because this is how God is. God is just and he's righteous. And the way that he has dealt with everything in creating and, 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 uh, you know, the, the world is to create justice so that we have an idea of like, where to put our feet, where to find solid ground, like where to know what is right and what is wrong. And so that, that's justice and righteousness. And so when we have had an injustice against us, it just feels wrong. Like, what should be done about this? Um, it hurts us. It, it, it grieves us. And on some level, we, we do want justice. And so there was a, I've tried to find where, I, where this is. I can't find it any longer. But there was a play that happened after World War II. It was a Dutch uh, playwright. And he wrote about, um, you know, kind of like the Nazi response. Like, what, like, how did this happen? And what do we do about it? And trying to help the people process it. And so, you know, during the course of the play, one of the victims uh, who was in the concentration camp found, uh, you know, a baker in one of the, the towns and said, you knew this was going on. Why didn't you do anything about it? Uh, you know, like, th- this, this happened on your watch. You, you didn't speak up. You didn't do anything about it. And the person was like, well, the, the soldiers are around, so blame them. We were afraid. So he went to the soldier. You knew this was going on. Well, how could you do this? What, what was going on? Well, we were under authority of another. It was the officer. We're going to go to the officer. And, and the officer said, well, you know, we were under orders as well. So, you know, go up to the Fuhrer or whoever else. So they go up to the, the, the main person. If it's an imaginary world like Hitler, I mean, what were you doing? Hitler said, what's well, the sinful nature in me? Blame Adam. <clears throat> you know, where does it come from? And so we, we, we ask, all right, well, Adam, you know, you, you started this. You know, we should blame you. We should put all pain and suffering on you. He's like, well, it was Eve. Eve. <laughs> Death came through Adam. <laughs> you know, you're kind of... And so Eve could have said, well, God, you made the, uh, you made the fruit beautiful, and then you allowed the, uh, the serpent in there. So it's your fault. All right? And so God says, okay, you want to blame me? All right. Look at my son on the cross. Take out your vengeance upon him. <clears throat> Blame me for it if you want. I'm, I'm not saying that's right. <laughs> but if you need to, do it. Because he took that sin, whatever it is, whatever injustice, he, he put it on himself. What, whatever sin happened to you in your life, wh- whatever time when you were a kid and that person did that, you were overlooked, you were unseen, you weren't picked up, you weren't washed off, you were ignored, whatever it might have been. There was, there was a, a rising up within you, and it's, and it's rising up in our culture right now, so strong, of, of justice. Yeah. Put it on Jesus. Amen. He says, all the sin was placed on me, and so where do you want to put it? Put it on him. Yeah. God said, I'm going to put it out all on him anyway. <laughs> when we do that, when, when, we, when we let Jesus be the one where our wrath 
God's wrath, you know, is placed on, what happens is that we bring it into the light on the cross, and we're seen. He's the way, the truth, the life. Ultimate awareness, complete reality. When we put that on him, we are validated. Our pain is seen. Your pain is known. When you leave it on Jesus, therefore you leave it in death, you leave it on a cross, and you leave it behind, and you walk, therefore, from that point forward in validation, in vindication, already having accomplished. <laughs> you are set free, therefore, from having to do it on your own. Yeah. And he takes it from you. And there's an experience that should happen with that. You know, if I'm meeting with people and I'm, I'm recognizing that there's anger, there's bitterness, there's pain that's still going on in their heart, I'm saying, like, you haven't really forgiven. I mean, like, I'm not trying to be mean about that, but it's still having an effect on you. I know that's a process. And so part of the process is you taking the emotion of it and placing your sorrows on the one whose sorrows bore for you. Take the pain, the afflictions that he was on the cross for you and put it on him. You know, however you want to draw it, you know? I mean, if, if you want to blame him for it, fine. If you want to forgive the person for it, whatever, you know? Just put it on Jesus, you know, sometimes we, we, we don't understand how it happens or how it works, but there is an understanding of how it works on the cross. He, he took it, so nail it to him. He's willing to, he's willing to die for you. Not just die for you to set you free from sin, he's willing to also die for your justice. And so if that person that hurts you, put it on Jesus, and say, like, I can't kill the innocent one. Kill the innocent one. That's what he's there for. He did it for the joy set before him, which is you being free. Not just free by position, but free emotionally. Free to be able to pursue through disappointment. And so Paul had death working in him at all times. And so we live with this reality of, all right, there's death that's here, so we put it on the cross, and so therefore the resurrection's here. But then something else comes up, we have death working on the cross, and so we have resurrection. And so we are constantly putting aside these things because of the cross, we can do that, and then pursue that which is ahead of us. And so I, I don't want us to grow weary in doing good because we have set before us all of the kingdom of heaven, everything that Jesus bought for, his whole life, his perfect peace, the, 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 the wonder of the greater things. And when the, the suffering, when, when the cross, when the death is at, is at hand, we put it, we take the time to slow down with Jesus and we give it to him. We say, thank you. And then we put it aside and we move on with that. And we have to become clean. We have to develop a process. We, we have to slow down enough with Jesus so this becomes our living reality. It used to bother me that there were, you know, um, on one hand, people that would embrace suffering and not get to the resurrection. And then there's others that believe so much in the resurrection that actually dealing with the pain within them. You know, I was listening to Sean Bowles on Friday night last week, and he was talking about how one of his mentors was uh, prophesying over Los Angeles, death, 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 it's gonna fall off in the ocean. Sean was in, he, he, Sean has a heart for Los Angeles, you know, and he believes for, you know, the, the, the city of Los Angeles. I mean, that's a big, that's a big prayer. And, and we, we believe for all of Charlotte and this region, all right? We believe that God has a purpose in these things, right? We believe that our neighbor is, the, is, is a target for God, and we're going to see them come to salvation. And nothing's going to stop that, not even our own injustice, not even our own pain. And so after some time of being over there, he met with his mentor again, and he said, is it possible that because of all the people that hurt you from Los Angeles, you have a hard time blessing them in prophecy? And the person was convicted about that. And then forgave, did this process of giving it to Jesus on the cross. And then suddenly, out of that person's mouth was prophetic blessings upon the city that came out. 
And so sometimes the reason why we have a hard time getting past negativity about someone else is because we still have not yet dealt with a thing that's in our hearts. And I know from my own life, you know, because I've been a victim and I've stayed in a victim because it gave me a sense of power. It validated my pain by holding on to it. It was like a sword in my own side that I kept there and it kept the pain stuck there. So I have to take the sword, beat it into a plowshare, and then put that pain and nail it to Jesus instead. And then suddenly I'm not picking up other people's offenses. I can hear whatever's going on in your life and not be like, yes, we need justice. Like, no, we need to put it to Jesus. And then he'll give you wisdom in that place of what to do about it, if at all. True power could remain silent. True freedom couldn't be nailed to a cross as a slave. All right, so, you know, you don't have to be heard. You don't have to be seen to be free, to be powerful. Right? He may call you to speak. He may call you to do things radically for justice. But it's going to come from a place of peace where we extend the grace of God instead of the anger of our own hurts. Uh, so there's a lot to unpack with this. Um, and I, I, want to, I want to challenge us to, uh, to go for it as a, as a community because there are times where we have, we have wounds that we need to go through. Um, and, and there's times like in worship today where you'll just, you'll just receive um, a cleansing and, and it's gone and it's never there again. Um, and, and there's times where, you know, I'll, I'll just be in prayer and things will just lift off. And there's times we need to work through it. So there's times where you'll be given the gift of healing, the gifts of healings, and, and all of a sudden, like, you just walk in it. And there's times we need to work it out. So whatever you have a heart for, there is a process at times in some part of your life. And this is how we overcome. This is how we f- go after the things that are before us and lay aside the things that are dead. We have to see the cross for what it is. It's finished. And so our sorrows, when we work through these things, we can nail them to the cross. He will take them. Our pains, diseases, all these things, our sin, they're finished. It's gone. They're going to come up again as we face the problems of this world. And they're going to, we're going to put them there, and then we're going to keep on going forward. And this is the rhythm of life as Christians. And I want us to set that before us so that we don't grow weary and going, doing good. I'm going to pray. I'm going to, um, we demonstrated the power of God. I want to demonstrate this in our life. If you wouldn't mind, just trust me with this for the next couple of minutes, okay? So can you all just become still for a moment? One way to know God intimately is to be still. And so, Father, I ask that you would help us all to just to be still for a moment. Father, I ask that you'd reveal Jesus, who is truth, who is ultimate reality, gives us awareness and perceptions to every person here right now. So allow them to become aware of their thoughts or emotions. Thank you that you've given every person in this room authority to take every thought captive and to take every emotion captive. I ask God that you would bring up one burden in their life that's been heavy that's been wearisome whether it be a pain whether it be a belief whether it be a memory from the past you'd make them aware of what that is right now Lord help them to become aware of how that thought makes them feel, help them become aware of what that feeling 
makes them think. Whatever it is, Lord, I, I ask also now that you'd reveal your son Jesus to them as the one who wants to take those now from them. And so I ask that you'd release faith now for every person in this room to be able to let go of, if it's a sin, a sin. If it's a sorrow, a sorrow, a pain, a pain. If it's their disease, if it's their infirmity, if it's an injustice, if it's being a victim, if it's being victimized, anything, Lord, I ask that you would surrender that to them, that you would give them faith so they can surrender that to you, I should say. So Lord, give them faith now to release that to you. Holy Spirit, as as you're doing this, I ask that you would now take those burdens and place them upon the shoulders of Jesus. All who are weary and heavy laden, now let the, the yoke of Jesus be placed upon you, which is light and easy. And let your burdens now be his burdens. Let the, the cross do its work so that you can experience the resurrection power of Jesus Christ in that place. And so, Holy Spirit, I ask now that you would take whatever that was, if it's a sin, if it's an injustice, if it's a pain, if it's an infirmary, and now you would speak from heaven and release the resurrection power by bringing whatever you want, peace in that place, love, a new identity. Speak from a a father's heart to your daughters, to your sons. Bring healing to their bodies. Bring healing to their brains. Rewire them, Lord, so that they can no longer experience depression but now have joy. Give them confidence going forward that you will, with compassion, Lord, be able to empathize with them and then lift their burdens from them. Let them know your nearness and closeness. Let them know you're pleased with them and how they've carried the burdens to this day. Let them know your sorrow over their pain from what happened in the past. And now let them feel the release of it that you see them and you have vindicated them through the cross. Jesus, thank you for your resurrection. Thank you for what you suffered on the cross. Thank you so much that you do bring justice, that you do bring righteousness. And that because of that, we can have joy, we can have your peace at all times and your healing. I love you so very much, Jesus. Thank you for this. Amen.